you know, we had a men's meeting yesterday that <clears throat> that was really special to me uh, because uh, Jacob invited uh, for fathers to come and bring their sons and grandsons, and so we had that. We had we had sons there, older guy. We had three generations there, and um, yeah. And one thing that Jacob shared, I wanted to. I'm sure he doesn't mind me sharing it because he shared it yesterday. It's public knowledge. But he was talking about when he was a boy uh, going to men's meetings with his dad at church. And they had chocolate milk and white donuts there. And we had chocolate milk and white donuts yesterday. (laughs) But there was something about when he said that that was very, uh, it was a lot more spiritual than, than just what we were, what was, what you would think. I mean, obviously chocolate donut or White donuts and chocolate milk are awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, if you're a little boy. I love white donuts, actually. So I did eat some of those. They were donut holes. But uh, it was the Father's heart. It's what I felt in there, really powerful. Um, and I was happy because Philip and uh, Luke, my grandson, and his, my son were with me. So I was already having a, a daddy moment. But God was having a daddy moment. The father was having a daddy moment. And it's special when uh, generations can be together. Are you, not, you know what I'm saying? It's special when generations can speak to each other. Because there's something in God's heart about generations. And about us being able, one generation being able to, to declare the works of the Lord to the next generation. And then uh, Chris Winger do I think Chris Winger, is he in church today? Back where? Make him stand up, Byron. Make him stand up. <laughs> Chris Winger shared. Where is Chris Winger? I don't, he's in the lobby. He? Well, goody, we can just really work him over. Now, he shared uh, out of his life and how he was raised and how, you know, the impact of his parents on him and, uh, impact of coaches he's a he was athlete so he he talked about coaches they're you know they're like a a father figure and and he was really speaking to some of the younger boys there about these things but he was really speaking to us all all the men in that room about how god the father really cares about uh cares about the sons and the grandsons and and the daddies he really care. He really cares, and so I, I'm, I'm just sharing this because it, it was very impacting to me. And then what they were sharing this morning about the Father coming uh, and blanketing us with the Holy Spirit and blanketing us with His love is so important for you and I. When God does something for us to to respond to Him, it really is important. It is foolish to not. Because God is always at work in our lives trying to do things. And, and he, one of the things he wants to do is bring us out of where we've been into something new and fresh. Amen. That's what a father is always trying to do. He's trying to get his son somewhere. You know, because a father wants to see his sons go beyond him. A good father is always thinking about how he can get his sons going in a direction where they would be beyond him. And I can just imagine if, if we could have... Uh, sons uh, that didn't wait till they were older men to get all this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They could get it as young men. Imagine what they would be like as old men. Imagine how they would be like the legends in the earth. Literally, spiritual legends. And that's really what God wants to raise up in the earth. It's people who will be, their lives will be legendary. I'm not talking about being famous. I'm talking about being legendary in the kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So I appreciate that. I just wanted to share that. That was good. Hey, I heard this joke. Actually, it wasn't a joke. I read this thing in, in this pastor's magazine. You do not want to read pastor's magazine because most of the time they're very boring and discouraging. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, every trade has their magazine. You know, engineers had their magazines. You know, carpenter. You know. So pastors have their little magazines. 
And one of them uh, articles, all the, the different kinds of criticisms pastors received. You know, so had, some of it was pretty serious stuff. It was like, gosh, those people are mean. <laughs> and some of it was kind of hilarious. And then there was everything you're talking about. But the one that really stuck out to me, though, was this. Is there was this church, uh, and this is all true. And this couple, this family that was in this church, and they came to the pastor after one Sunday and said, hey, last weekend we were visiting family in another state, and we went to church with them. And one of the things their pastor did is he blew kisses at us. And we've discovered you don't really love us because you never blow kisses at us. So here you go. That's about the only time I'm going to blow a kiss at you. Those are reserved for my grandkids, I'll be honest. I thought, I was so insulted by those people saying that to that pastor. Like, you don't love us because you don't blow kisses. Who would want kisses blown at them? Unless it really was the Holy Ghost blowing kisses, right? And then it would be sweet. But otherwise, like, save it for your grandkids. Or your, if you have little kids, blow, them, blow kisses at them. I thought that was pretty cool. So, mm, thank you, Lord. So, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about this morning, the thing I want to talk to you about this morning is faith. And the reason I want to talk to you about faith is because the Holy Spirit started speaking to me about faith. And He began to really talk to me about, about faith in the context of, God, of Him shifting us from where we have been to where He wants to take us. Amen. God, we're in a shift, or we've already shifted. I don't know. It's, it's probably both, but there's a shift. And I'll tell you one thing. I was praying in that moment for this church. I had a, 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 a moment with the Lord. As I was praying, Lord, bring acceleration into this church. Bring acceleration because people, people have gone through things. And lots of times when you go through things in life that are trying and difficult for you, you get a little slowed down and you get a little stuck sometimes. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you don't, you ain't been through anything. It's hard for us to be, you know, reinvigorated after going through seasons of difficulty and seasons of trial. So our spiritual walk and where we are in Christ, where we are in this journey with the Lord will get slowed down. Sometimes people stall out. It's almost like an airplane that stalls out and starts going down. You know what I'm talking about. And so, uh, you know, I was praying, Lord, I believe with all my heart you want to bring acceleration to people. You want to move, you want to get people from where they are to where they're supposed to be in a short order. Have you, and some of you experienced that. We've experienced it in the past. We've experienced in, in corporately where God took us from a place we were at spiritually as a church to down the road in a fast way. It's like stepping into a river that has rapids, and it's going to shoot you down the road real quick. You're going to get there where you're supposed to be, and you're going to wake up, and suddenly you have, God has divinely done something in your life. How would you like that? I think we all would like that. So I believe that's what God wants to do. He wants to get you out of the ashes of yesterday out of the disappointment, out of the brokenness that we all carry in our lives. If you're not carrying brokenness in your life, there's something wrong with you actually because you've not been living. You've been living in a false world. But God wants to bring us out of our brokenness and He wants to bring us into a new place. He wants to give us that thing, you know, that beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. God's big in the joy. God is big in the joy. He likes happiness. He, likes, he doesn't like a heavy atmosphere. He loves a light atmosphere. A lot, a atmosphere full of, his, full of His light. And so He's trying to bring us into something. And He wants to shake things off in people. And He wants to break things off in people. God is at work in the earth today. You know what? I've been hiding things. Okay? I've been hiding things from you. <laughs> Good things. Because, I dare, you, you know, there's times when you let God work in you and you dare not talk too much about Him. You know what I'm talking about? It, because at that point, it's between you and God. It, it's between you and God. And you don't begin to leak those things out unless God begins to allow those things to be leaked out. But God is a, God is a sharing God. God's a generous God. And He really wants to do something for people. He wants to... That thing we sing about fear. Anybody know about fear? Oh, what did that song say about fear? What was the words? Somebody tell me. Huh? Becky, what does it say about the fear? We just sang it. Fear. 
Fear you have no hold on me. How many people want that? Where you're not being held back by fear. It's a big thing. We can fear all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think the Lord wants to break people free from fear. So I'm going to ask the Lord to do that right now for you. Because fear is powerful. It's the thing that Adam had on him when he fell. And he heard the Lord. He got out of there. He was afraid. But it's crazy thing. He was afraid of God. The only, the only person that could help him and love him, he was afraid of him. And see how fear perverts our thinking. It makes us think God's one way when he's really not. So, Lord, I just pray right now, that spirit of fear. You, the Bible declares you have not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. And, Lord, today we're declaring that. We're saying power, love, and a sound mind be released into this room, be released in this church over the people, over their families, over their health, over their finances, Lord. Woo, Lord, break off all that uh, national fear. Oh, God, break it off of us. All the fear that's all over the place, Lord, that people are so afraid about what's going on. Lord, you're bigger than all of that. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. Jesus is king over the United States. Jesus is king. Jesus is king over my life. Jesus is king over my life. Fear go. Woo, thank you, Lord. Anyways, let me read this. Anyways. Okay. Galatians 3.11. This is about faith. Here's the problem about trying to talk about faith. It's it's really a problem because the whole Bible is full of of words like faith, trust, belief. I mean, you, you could do the lucky, lucky dip thing. You know what a lucky dip thing? Just I'm going to close my eyes and open the Bible and stick my finger. It's a good likelihood that you're going to hit something about believing, about trusting, about faith. It's a good idea that might happen to you. So, But I did pick this one verse that I think is significant. It says, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. And, and Paul was saying, this is evident. No one is. No one. In other words, you're not going to be justified. You're not going to be made right by God by what you do. I mean, this is a, a huge truth that we still struggle with. Because there's people in this room, I promise you, you're trying to please God. You're, but based on what you do, which is absurd. It's absurd. That's what Paul was saying. It's, it's just evident that doesn't work. So stop doing it. And then he said, the just shall live by faith. The just. So in the Bible, you have two kinds of righteousness, all right? One of them is called uh, uh, works righteousness. That's what he's talking about. That doesn't work. <laughs> works righteousness don't work. The other one is faith righteousness. And righteousness means what? Righteousness means right standing with God, right relationship. It's not about how pure you are or how holy you are about the things you do. It is all about relationship. That's what it literally means, right relationship. And so by faith, we live this life in right relationship with the Lord because of what God has done. We don't do anything to have that. So that's so you can see how faith is, is like the thing, uh, you know, what the Holy Spirit was telling me was uh, faith is, is how you access the grace of God. Faith is how you access everything that God has for you. You can't have anything from God. You can't fulfill your purpose. You can't find out who you really are. You can't have a relationship with God outside of faith. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? In other words, it's the the vital ingredient, so to speak. You know, it's like somebody made a cake and left out that one thing that made the cake really good. Everything else was there. And you can have everything else in your life, but if your faith is not working, if your faith is not alive, if it's not a true faith, then everything is going to be off in your spiritual life. Everything. And so that's why the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize faith to us because as we move into a new season, it's going to take faith. It's going to take trust. It's going to take belief to make those steps. Amen? Come on, y'all need to be amen in me. <laughs> I wish you could. I wish I could do better on that. <laughs> I wish I could be as anointed as a worship team is what I wish. And wow, man, that was so beautiful. So this is not a teaching, by the way. 
these are thoughts that the Holy Spirit gave me. That, and so here was a thought that he gave me. Faith is a journey, not an experience. It's a process. In other words, what we have happened this morning, that's, that's not necessarily faith. It came by faith, but our life is a journey. And life, listen, listen, life is a winding road. Life is not a straight road. There's hills and there's valleys in life. So our life of faith is going to be winding. Hey, you ever been on a road that's real straight and everything looks the same? How, yeah, it's a, there's a, we used to go to Wilmington years ago a lot, and there's two roads that just I hated. One of them, somewhere down there on the other side of, I think, Red Springs or somewhere like that, everything disappears. There's nothing. There's no houses. There's no business. It's on Highway 74. No, I'm talking about on 74. Raleigh's not on 74, Becky. <laughs> She's somewhere else. She's on 40. It's the same thing, but it's trees, and that road is straight as an arrow. And you, oh, it's just misery. I mean, it's painful. You're having, you have a hard time focusing because it's the same monotonous drive. I don't know how many miles. Well, let me tell you something. If, that's what you're, if you feel bored with your Christian life, you're, you're not on the road of faith. There's another road that we drove on to get there. It's kind of a, a back road called Highway 218. Anybody ever been on Highway 218? Oh, Lord. Now, here's Highway 218. Highway 218 is full of houses on each side of the road, some businesses, but every trucker knows about it. And it's winding and turning. And so it's the kind of road you don't, you, you, you're focused on your driving. You know what I'm talking about. You're not bored. In fact, you might get a little anxious if it's raining and it's a storm going on because this road's moving, winding. There's trucks. There's people coming in and out of the road. I mean, it is. And see, that's a lot of what our Christian life is like. It's just winding. And so we have these moments in our life. They're mountaintop experiences, right? And there's things that you can only get on a mountaintop experience. You should always go for the mountaintop experience. If God's doing something, go for it because it's only there. There's certain things you're going to get in this life that can only be given to you on the mountaintop. But you don't stay on the mountaintop. There's valleys also. And valleys, there's things you can get in valleys that you can't get on the mountaintop and vice versa. So what we have to learn how to do is, you know, if we're following Christ, he's going to take us all these different places, ups and downs, around corners and turns and twists in life. And so that's what a walk of faith really looks like. It doesn't look like this illusional thing that's given to us by the church many times. Life is twisting and turning. Up. There's ups and downs. And our job is to walk on those by faith and in faith and begin to see and be able to receive from God no matter what's happening. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Oh, uh, here's another thought, and I'm only, I know some of you are going to really love this one. Faith is tested. Faith is tested. In fact, I've found at least 25 verses in the New Testament where it talks about your faith being tested. At least 25. That was a, just a glance through. So this is not an unusual thing, although we think it unusual. In fact, that's one of the verses, I think it's in James, where you don't think it's unusual when the fiery trial comes on you. But we think it's unusual. We think, really, we think there's something wrong when we get tested. We think there's something, we've done something wrong. Well, here's the real truth. When you feel tested, it's because God has something beautiful in front of you. God has something amazing. Let me read this. Actually, I'm going to read my favorite verse on testing in the Bible. Okay, it's uh, Psalm 105, it's the Old Testament. And it's about Joseph. Y'all know the life of Joseph, right? Joseph had dreams as a young man. He was one of Jacob's sons, okay? And the Jacob's sons made up the, the 12 tribes of Israel. So he was a significant man in the Bible. He's an Old Testament picture of Christ, actually. And so Joseph had these dreams as a young man. Dreams of authority, dreams of rulership. Dreams of an amazing life. Some of you have got those dreams, I have a feeling. And he mistakenly told his, old, his brothers, okay, 
these were people you don't mess with, brothers. And they were offended at him. Even Jacob called Joseph out for some of his dreams. And Jacob loved Joseph. Joseph was the household pet, so that caused things more. And his brothers resented him, and eventually his brothers took him and sold him as a slave. Okay? And Joseph was betrayed mightily by his brothers uh, and tricked his daddy into thinking that Joseph had been killed by wild animals because he had this coat of many colors and they tore it all up and put blood all over it and said, oh, this is all, Joseph is dead. The animals ate him and broke his daddy. It broke Jacob's heart. It killed him. It crushed him as it would any parent. So Jake, Jake, Joseph's dreams were crushed. His dreams of, of being somebody and being something uh, and being associated with his family. And now here's Joseph, and this is what it says. I, I just love this because it's so, you know why I love it? Because I see the end of Joseph's story. It, verse, uh, Psalm 105, verse 17, and, and this is the God saying, he sent a man before them. This is a man before the, the family of God. He sent somebody before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. God sent him there. God allowed him to be sold as a slave. And it says they hurt his feet with fetters. They hurt his feet. He was laid in irons. Man, that's, that's speaking something. That, that's why I love this, man, because it just has such an intensity on it. Listen, until the time that his word came to pass, his word, his dreams, his promise, that's what they're talking about. Until the time his word came to pass, he was hurt. He was brought down. Okay? It says, the word of the Lord tested him. Oh, man, that's something. <laughs> the word of the Lord tested him. But here's the thing. Whatever you're going through, no matter how hard it is, it's just a test. You, you hear what I'm saying? And God tested Joseph. Why, do, why are tests given? Tests are given to expose weaknesses, right? In school, we're going to give you the math test, right? Math teachers know this. So, we, you, so you will know where you lack. You will know what you need to fix in your mathematical knowledge. Well, that's what, why God tests us so we can begin to know what the areas of weakness and lack in our life. Are y'all following this? Because God wants to strengthen us. God wants to prepare us. God wants to give us the ability to, to bear that beautiful thing that's in front of us. Joseph couldn't bear what God had for him before he went through this. He would have never been a good ruler. He would have abused people. He would have took advantage of the situation. He would have had his brothers killed when they came to him. He would have done all of that thing. He had been vindictive and mean, just like we all are, apart from God doing something in our life. You see, God was doing Joseph a favor by testing him and working in his life. He didn't feel like it. He felt probably like he had just done the worst thing in the world. He may have felt like he was the biggest failure in the world. Because a lot of times you feel that way when you're being tested. But it's really to help you. And I get this. I get this fact. That in the middle of being tested, in the middle of the fire, you can't see that. You can't even think that way. Your, your thoughts are usually like, woe is me, and why is this happening to me, and how can I get out of this? You know what I'm saying? But once you get through it, once God gets you through something, you begin to see something different. You begin to see what God was doing. And in verse Genesis 50, verse 20, this is a, 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 I love this scripture. His brothers had came to him after Jacob was dead. Jacob finally died as an old man. They had brought them all to Egypt where they could be taken care of. Joseph fed nations during a drought. He was in, basically in charge of the food supply for a whole continent. That's what he was entrusted with. He was a number two man in Egypt. He was entrusted with all kinds of authority and power. He could decide who ate and who didn't eat because there was a great famine in the earth. That's what his dreams are all about. God gave him all this. And that's why he had to go through what he went through so he could be trusted with this great power and authority to make sure he took care of people. Well, his dad finally died and his brothers were afraid. Like, oh gosh, now that daddy's, daddy's gone, he's going to finally get us. That's what they were thinking. Daddy's dead. 
there's nobody to keep Joseph at bay. He's going he's to take us apart. We're, we're doomed. And so they went to him. And it broke Joseph. It just broke him. Oh, if you just go through and read some of the stories of Joseph. I mean, there's just parts of where Joseph went when he saw and he wept. He wept because he was so broken. He wept when he saw his family. He had to get away from him. And instead of all of Egypt, heard Joseph's weak weeping. That's a man who's been broken. That's a man who's ex- whose weaknesses have been exposed. That's a man who's allowed God to do what God needs to do in his life. That's, that's what he was. He had come to the place where he saw all the pain and all the sorrow that he had went through. God was actually doing something beautiful in him. And he began to see that beauty and it caused him to weep. And he told his brothers, he said, but as for you, you meant evil against me. We, we know this verse, but it's so powerful when you put it into context of the Holy Spirit. You meant evil against me. You, you meant to destroy me. You hated me. You wanted to wipe me off the face of the earth. But he said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In other words, God was in this. God didn't cause it. God didn't make it happen. You did, but God was in it. God was in it. God was in it. God is in your trial. He's in it, not to destroy you, not to hurt you, but God is working in you to do something in you, to make you the person that you have dreamed to be and that you know is in there and give you the life that you know is in there. But somehow it doesn't translate. Somehow it's always a failure. But God is at work, and Joseph knew it at this point. I love that story in Daniel when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are some names, right? Those are some good old names. They threw them in this furnace, and it was so hot. The furnace was so hot, it said it killed the soldiers who threw them in there. It killed them as they got close enough to to dump those guys into this furnace to kill them. It killed the soldiers. And they looked and they said, there was a fourth man in there. There was a fourth man in there. And see, lots of times in our worst moment, we can't see it, we can't hear it, we can't feel it, but he's in there. He would never put you in the furnace of affliction. He would never allow your life to be tested if he didn't get in there with you. And I don't care if you're the one who caused it. You probably did cause some of it. You probably made some decisions and choices in your life that caused you more heartache than you could imagine. But you see, God still was in that fire with you. He he was in there. We don't see him in that moment. We don't hear him in that moment, but he's in there. That's what the entire Bible declares about God. That's what faith declares about God. The entire Bible tells us that over and over. We've talked about this a lot lately. I don't know why. That when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God went at, chased after them, not to punish them, because, but he missed them and he wanted them. He was going to them. He wasn't asking them to come to the Him. And I think that's the way God really is with all of us. He goes to where we are. He comes to where we are. And we may not know him, him being there, but he's there. And you may be in the worst spot of your life today. Amen. And everything I'm saying, you might be hating it. Because I've been in some pickles in my life. And people would tell the truth and I would be, I would be scuffing at it. I would be, it, would be, it would be hard on me. Because I was burning. Because I was being cooked. Because I was being destroyed. And I couldn't understand it. But I'm here to tell you something. I'm here to tell you something. God was with me, and God got me out. Somehow he walked me through it, and he began, and when I came out better than I went in. I came out better than I went in. I came out better than I went in. I came out because the person in me, the real me, was given an opportunity to come forth. So whatever dreams you may have and whatever you feel in your life, And if you don't have that, I want you to know something. Get in touch with what's inside of you. Because you can't have this person called Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. You can't have him living in you and not have dreams. And not have a vision for something. And not want to make a difference in this world. If that is not something in you, then you have lost touch with who's in you. 
because that's what he wants to do. He's looking for flesh and blood to walk it out in. And that's me and you. And you might say, why me? Well, like, why not you? Uh, we all said, why me? That's a good question. That's what Moses said. Well, why do you want me to do this? I can't do this. And he gave God nine excuses. I can't talk. Get somebody else to do it. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Are y'all good? Well, anyways, in order to, God meant it for good, in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that really what God wants to do? He wants to save me and you alive, keep us alive, make us alive, and in this, in this whole world around us, He wants to, wants to do that for the world. What He's done for us to save us alive. What were they saying? We'll never see death, right? Was that what y'all were saying? Just death doesn't exist in God. And if you're in Christ, your old, your old body, uh, you know, it's going to have its moment, but you're not. You're not going to have that, that moment. Because if, fall, if, if it falls down dead, you're still alive. You're not going to ever see death. Isn't that amazing uh, thought? We think we're going to die. It's over with. Hey, you know, I wanted to pray that right quick because that was another thing I was feeling this morning is, you know, there's a spirit of death that gets on people. And I was seeing that spirit of death. And, you know, it can be a spirit of death about spiritual things or about your future, but it also can be a literal that, you know, that you may be feeling like you might be going to die. Anybody ever felt that? Or, or you ever felt like a loved one was going to die? Anybody ever felt that? Uh, I remember one time I had this dream. I may have shared this before. I may have had this dream about Becky. In the dream, a friend of mine who literally had died six months before came up to me in his dream. And I said, John, what are you doing here? He said, somebody's about to die. And I said, who? And he ran off. And I woke up just rah, in a panic in my heart. Like, God, who's, why is this? What's going on here? Well, I went back to sleep finally. Woke up the next morning, I get a call from a friend of mine, a very prophetic friend, Robert McMillan, y'all might know him. And he said, Byron, I had this dream last night. And the dream was Becky died. Oh, you talking about somebody going off, going off, I mean going off. I mean, you know what? You might be Presbyterian and you're going to be all quiet. I promise you at that moment you ain't all quiet. I mean, you know. I was at a retreat, and people weren't like, what in the heck's going on with you? And they heard me screaming, because I was like, no. No, sir, that's not the heart of the Lord. What God was doing was warning me. Listen, he was warning me that the devil had a plan. He had a plan to kill Becky. He had a plan to kill her. And God, in his mercy, showed me his plan and made sure I got it. Not just my dream with no definition, but I knew it was somebody around me. I didn't know it was somebody that, that close to me. And then when my friend called me and told me it was Becky, he didn't know anything. In fact, in his dream, he had called Becky's sister, right? Yeah, he called Becky's sister, and she said, Becky's dead. She was killed in a car accident. And so I knew that's what the enemy wanted to do. And I, so I was able to break that thing. So you can do some things. You've got authority. And when God shows you stuff like that, he means for you to use that and put a stop to it. Put a stop to it. We can put a stop to some things, y'all. We may not better stop everything. There are some things that get by us. I will admit that. But I tell you what, the stuff you know that God's revealed to you, you can do something about it or he wouldn't have let you know it. So I want to pray right now. I want to stop and pray. What I was seeing about that spirit of death thing, I don't know particularly. I think it could be both. I think it could be a spiritual death that the enemy wants to bring on some people. And I think it's a literal death. Okay? So let's just pray for a moment. Father, we thank you today, Lord, that you reveal your heart and your mind. And so, Lord, I just break that commission of the enemy over whoever that may be, that spirit of death. I just declare you have no right. You have no right. Your commission is broken in the name of Jesus. You, you cannot bring death of, on any level. 
In fact, you are going to get out of, your, of God's children's life today. Move on. You're not welcome here. You're not welcome here in Jesus' name. And we declare the future of the Lord, the hope of the Lord over your people today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, I'm going to have to stop. I thought I was going to share. I had nine things wrote down here. I just shared one thing with you. I'm bad, aren't I? Let me just read this one other thing here that might help you that the Lord really wants us to know about faith. If you is that we have a bet, what the Bible calls a better faith. Okay, if you read the book of Hebrews, there are about 12 things in Hebrews that's better. It, go, it says, use that word, and one of the things it says is we have a better faith. And it begins to talk about faith. And the uh, one verse that I think is, is, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author, that's Hebrews 20, author and finisher of our faith. So really what the Bible really teaches us in New Testament is the faith that we have is, is what Paul calls in Galatians 2.20, the faith of the Son of God. That, that's the faith that's operating in us. It, it is not a separate faith. Okay, we don't have a faith that's separate from the faith he had. We have the exact same kind of faith. In fact, we share in his faith. Jesus said in Mark 11 when he was trying to get people to get us to understand how to deal with issues in life, he began, when he was speaking to this mountain that was in front of him, which was a problem, he was telling people, this is what he said to them, he gave an invitation, have the faith of God. When they said, how'd you do it? When he cursed that fig tree. He said, have the faith of God. It's an invitation. That was, that was him, you know, revealing the future of the new covenant believer. That was him revealing to his disciples that moment, this is how this thing, faith, works. It's a better faith. It's not some faith that's a barred faith. It's a given faith. So when, listen, it, this is the way this thing works. If we are united with Christ... Right, we have this thing called union. We have a shared life with Jesus. That means we have a shared faith with Jesus. It's not some other faith. It's his faith is shared with our faith. And so we, when we walk in union with him, when we walk with him, and our life is, his life is shared with us, our life is shared with him, we are sharing a common faith. And now here's the key about his faith. His faith never fails. Right? His faith only works through love. Okay? I mean, it doesn't work outside of... And, but here's the other thing. His faith is tested. Because his faith is tested, your faith is tested. His faith in you will, go, will take you through those tests. Because his ta- faith in you has to be refined from all the other stuff that wants to pollute that faith in you. Are y'all following this? And so you see, we don't have to do something. We don't, have to, we don't have to try to build something up. We don't have to try to make something happen when it comes to faith. We have to have, just believe that we have this and allow this thing to work in us. Allow this faith to emerge in us. Yeah. I mean, when you begin to see that, when you begin to realize it's not on your shoulders, it's on his shoulders. Your job is to choose this. Okay? Oh, let me read this thing that Reinhard Bonnke. Y'all know who Reinhard Bonnke is? He was a great evangelist. I think he's kind of semi-retired now. But he preached all over the world to, and saw millions of people saved. Millions of people. I mean, this guy was amazing. Still is. This is what he said. Americans are the only people in the world who think in terms of getting more faith. The only people in the world who think in terms of getting more faith. You already have all the faith you will ever need. You already have it. Do y'all realize that? You already have all the faith you will ever need. You have to use what you have. Isn't that powerful? If we're going to start believing this, see, that's why Reinhard Bonnke could get millions of people saved. Because he knew what he had. He didn't try to get more of it. He just used it. And when he began to use that faith to preach the gospel people heard the gospel and people got saved. And that's really how we, this thing is supposed to work with us. Okay. So Jesus' faith was victorious. Are y'all still good or I can stop? All right. Jesus' faith was victorious. So what God wants, here's what the shift is for you today. This is where I'm going to end today. 
Okay, I'm going to end. You have to shift from being a victim to being a victor. That, that's really when I've been asking the Lord, what's this shift I feel? I feel a shift in the spirit. I feel a shift in my heart. I see little glimpses of things. I, I hear little glimpses of things like, oh, there's something happening. We're going somewhere. We're, we're moving spiritually. We're not sitting still in our, what, what is it? And this is what he said. It's time for this church, it's time for the people in this church to stop being victims and, become, stop being, and start being victors. You can no longer, you no longer have to be a victim of what you've gone through. You don't no longer have to be a victim of whatever somebody else has done. Okay? And, and this is the verse right here. Let me read this verse. Are y'all good? For whatever, this is 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We need to shift from being victims to being victors because we, begin, we have been given a victorious faith. We have a victorious faith. And God is saying, there's going to be times in your life, and you may be in that moment right now, where you're going to be sifted, where you're going to be tried, where you are going to feel like God is against you. And it's going to be embarrassing, and you're going to feel like there's something wrong with you. But I'm here to tell you, because I have been in that place. I have been in a place of feeling stripped naked. And wondered what in the world is wrong with me? And why has God did this? Or why did God allow this? He allowed it because God saw my future. And he said, Byron, you'll never be able to live in that future I have for you unless I allow this thing to go in you. Allow this thing to work in your heart. The way I allow this thing, because you will come out of this on the other side and you will be more, you will be stronger and what you carry will be greater. That's what he told me. Now this, you don't hear that stuff in the, in the middle of, of, you know, in the middle of the firefight, right? You know, you're just trying to keep your head down and, and somehow get through it and decide what you're going to do with your life. And then lots of times once the thing is over with, you're just so shell-shocked. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're shell-shocked. You're just broken to pieces. And you're trying to figure out what happened. And you're trying to figure out God. And you're trying to figure out your life. And you're a mess. And you're discouraged and you're disappointed. I don't know about you, but you, that's the truth. And that's a person who's been through something with God, who's walked through something and feels like they've lost everything. That's the way it feels. And little by little, the Holy Spirit will work on you and talk to you. Little by little. Because faith is a process. Faith is a journey. And he was saying, yeah, you got jerked off that mountain down into the darkest place. But I went right down there with you. You just didn't know it. And I'm going to get you out of this place. And when you get out of this and when your thinking gets fixed, which only I can fix, you're going to start seeing some things. And the things that you felt like you lost that were most precious to you. Now I'm talking about spiritual things. I realize people have lost loved ones. I get that. And only the Holy Spirit can replace that person in your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can bring that comfort and that covering to your heart. You know, when you lose somebody, like you lose a child, or you lose, we've lost a child. There's people in this room who lost children. It's the worst thing ever. Grandparents. Yeah, grandparents that lose children. I mean, it's just... Mm. It's terrible, and then there's people who've lost their spouse through divorce or through death or disease, all that. It's, it's incredibly hard, and I'm telling you something. I'm not saying everything's going to be jolly Raleigh and holly dolly when you go through something like that, but I'm going to tell you something. God can do something in you even.
God can make things right in you even. God can come and fill that place in you even. God can do that. God wants to do that. That's what God does. And you, and I've said this a couple of times recently, but it's such a powerful moment when you wake up one morning. It's a powerful moment when you wake up one morning and gratitude and thankfulness bubbles from within you. For all that you went through, not for what you went through, but for what God did in you. Because you realize God actually did something. And all of what I thought was waste, all of what I thought was just a dog hidden failure and a mistake or a wrongdoing, you realize God has redeemed it and God has made it right and God has done something in you that you have, could not have got any other way. That's the day of victory. That's the day when you realize I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I'm not a victim. Up until that moment, up until I had that moment, I felt somewhat like a victim. I felt like a failure. Okay? I felt like a disappointment. I felt like I didn't have a great future. I had all those feelings working on me. I wasn't trying to let those feelings rule me. I was trying to keep moving on. I was moving on. But the way I felt day in and day out, I felt like I was just, it was, my life was never going to be anything more than what it was. And the tragedy was this. The tragedy was I accepted that. That was the tragedy. I accepted that. Until the Holy Spirit showed up one day and I realized, oh my God, and that was the thing I repented of. That was the thing that tore me up when he got close to me is I had accepted a life less than what he wanted for me. And I realized how much that grieved the heart of God. And that moment I knew God was saying, Byron, don't, 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 because that is not what I have for you. And if you accept that, you have accepted a life that in the end you'll be so, you'll, you won't be happy that you did that. But when, but it was it, it was intense, man. I mean, it was intense, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It's a beautiful day when you come in contact with this beautiful being. Okay, I think I mentioned last night that holiness thing. Like, oh Lord, I'm in trouble. Oh Lord, I'm in trouble. But it's the trouble I was in was the trouble I created for me, is I had accepted something way less than what God had for me. And I felt broken over it because I felt what he felt. Are y'all with me? <laughs> Lord have mercy. Yeah. You know what? You know what? God will get us to a place, okay, where these will not be the primary thoughts, okay? But right now they're, they're important thoughts, okay? They're important thoughts for you and I. They're important thoughts for people who are in the middle. Or maybe they're important thoughts for you've gotten out of it, but you, you, you just still don't feel, like you, you don't feel like it's there no more. You don't feel that unction no more. Uh, you, you look at it, oh, look at these guys over here. They're, they're so engaged with God. I don't feel that. I'm disconnected from that. Are y'all following me? Because you feel this thing in you still. You're, you're in the rehab phase still. You've gotten out of the hospital. You've gotten out of the fire, but you ain't healthy yet. But I'm telling you something. God is making people healthy. That's why I was talking about acceleration. He wants to get you out of that rehab into a place where you're standing on this. This is our victory. I'm no longer a victim to what happened. I'm not a failure. I'm not a disappointment. Yeah, I've done some dumb things. I really have. I've made some terrible mistakes. But I'm not. And so there's an invitation from the Lord this morning. It's just an invitation. And the main invitation is this. Have the faith of God. Have the faith of God. That's the main invitation I feel in my heart to say to you. 
Because his faith never fails. His faith will not fail. And if you have him, you have that faith. You have it. And it's a, just a new day. It's a new time. God wants to give people fresh vision for their life. He wants to move fresh in their life. He wants to do new things. He really does. And it's just, it's, that's the time we're in. That's the day we're in. And God's inviting people into that day. He's inviting you and me into that day. He's asking you, would you be willing to go into that day with him? Because he's going, that's where he wants to go. Yes, there's going to be some surprises. Let, let me just say that one more time. This, we want this adventuresome life, right? We don't want it to be a straight, boring road, right? Nobody wants it. I'm praying for a boring Christian life, Lord. I want it all to be the same every day. I want to go to church and they do the same thing over there. I know exactly, okay, at this time this person's going to do this and that person. I, you know, and I want my Christian life, my every day, I'm going to read the Bible and this is going to happen, this is going to happen. You know, I've mean, I got it laid out. I'm going to have me this nice, boring Christian life. There ain't a, a person in this room that sets out for that. Heck no. You may think you want all that until you get on that and then you realize there's something wrong with this Christianity. No, you want to get on that road that's twisting and turning like, oh, Lord, help. I need you, Jesus. Because, you know, the life of faith is sort of a risky life. It's sort of like, oh, ups and downs, twists and turns. Oh, that didn't work out. I got myself into a dead end. What happened? I just need to turn around. That's what happened. And keep going. If you're living in faith, that's what you'll do. You won't get out of the car and stop and sit on the side of the road and weep and and let your life end there. All right, I'm just giving me a second. It's 12 o'clock. It's time to go, I know. And I know I was supposed to talk 35 minutes, and I didn't. <laughs> I have completely failed you this morning. <laughs> I'm just waiting a minute. I, I just want to be able to, to say something. I just want, Lord, I just want you to do what you've done for me, Lord, for people sitting in this room. I want you to get them out of where they're at. They can't get out of where they're at. They can't get out. All my life, I have been good at getting myself out of my messes because I'm a pastor. I know how to counsel people. God's given me a lot of revelation on how humanity works, how, how we are as humans. I, I know stuff because God showed it to me because he's loved people and wanted me to help them. So I've always been able to talk myself through things. But I found a place where I couldn't do it. I couldn't get out. I couldn't. I gave it my best shot. I went to people that I loved and trusted. They couldn't get me out. I was down to thinking about going to a professional. Like, I need to go to a professional counselor because I can't, and none of my spiritual counselors can help me. And God allows us to get to those places in our life. And he says, I want to help you. I want to get you out of this. And God got me out. God walked me out. God took me by my hand and started telling me stuff and started doing stuff in me, and started showing me stuff that only he could do. That's what I want you to have. I want you to have that. I want you to have that with God. And so when you look back down the road, when you're challenged, like, I'm good. I'm good because God got me out of this. God did this. Lord, I pray that for everybody in this room. That's what I want to see happen. That's what I want to see happen. If you're in a place, okay, I want to do this. If you're in a place and you feel you've tried to get through it, you've tried to work through it, you tried to make it right in your heart, but you just couldn't, please stand up. And don't be ashamed because if a year ago I would have stood up. I'd been the first one to stand up because I couldn't get out. And there's no shame in that. That's humanity. That's being a person, that's being a human. And that means that God wants to do something for you. That he looks at your future and says, I have a bright future. Marlon declared it. The sun of righteousness is rising. 
It's rising with healing. He said it. He saw it. And that means your heart and your mind, and that will change your life. And Lord, I ask you, from the bottom of my heart, Lord, I pray you would do that for these people standing. In their darkest moment, or their most hurtful moment, or the place where they're just stuck, and they keep going around and around, and can't figure it out, and can't get out, and nobody can help them, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to do it. I believe we're in a time, Holy Spirit, when you're doing stuff like that. So I just say, yes, do it. Just say yes to Jesus. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, yes. Holy Spirit, yes. I, I need that in my life. I need that. I need you. I need you to talk to me. And I need you to unstop me. And I need you to fix me. And I need you to set me free. And bring me into a new day. I want to get into this shift you're doing. I want to get out of that other kind of thing I'm in. Lord, I ask you to do that. And I want to just tell you, for me, and everybody's different, it was an 11-month process in my life from the first time the Holy Spirit spoke to me and revealed to me, this is where you are, Byron, and I'm going to get you out of that. There was a process where he walked me through it. And 11 months in is when I one day woke up and had that amazing gratitude flowing in me. I knew I was out. That's how I knew. It, was, it wasn't like, oh, I need to be thankful. No. It wasn't, I need anything. It was thankfulness flowing like a river in me. Because in that moment, I saw what God had done for me and what God had done in me. And I knew it was Him. It was all Him. And I want Him to have the glory, and He does have the glory. But I want you to have it. I want you to have the gift that God has given me. The gift of healing the gift of deliverance and the gift of new vision for your life and fresh vision from heaven. So Lord, release it now. Release it now. Love, power, and a sound mind. Just release that in this room right now, Lord. There's people standing up. Deliver them, Lord, even from their own choices and mistakes. Deliver them. Deliver them from betrayal, Lord. Deliver them from life tragedies of life, Lord. They have broken their hearts, God. They have disappointed them. They have twisted them. I pray you would untwist hearts today and minds today. Their minds, their thinking would be untwisted. Let the joy of the Lord come in people's lives. Let the joy come let the peace of God rule today in these people's lives, Lord. Let fresh vision come. Fresh hope come, Lord. Let it come, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're the one who releases this to your people. You care about us. You created us to live in hope, Lord. You created us to be people of faith, Lord. You did not create us to be victims, Lord. We're declaring in agreement with you today, Lord, that we will live in the victory of the faith of the Son of God. That our lives will change, Lord. We will not be held back by our failures or by other people's failures or the failures of life in this world. But we will go on to new things in Christ. We will go on to a new day, a fresh feeling, a fresh anointing, fresh ministry. We'll go on. And the things that you thought you lost, let me just tell you something. I bet you, you didn't lose as much as you thought you lost. And this is why. You may have lost a few things. For me, if I lost something, I never had it. 
if, I, if it went through the fire and it burned up, well, it was never mine in the first place. But if I, on the other side of the fire, could see that I had it still, but it was different because it had been tempered by the fire. It had been tested along with me. And it was much richer and it was much better. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It may not look like yesterday. It's going to be better. Because your best is in front of you. It is. And today you can choose that best. So you don't have to feel like you've lost everything. You'll never get it back. So Lord, help us to believe that. Come on, Lord, help me. Are y'all okay? Let's release some whatever you want to do. All right, this is the one after. You can release all. Hey, we have the ministry team come up. And if you need somebody to agree with you, just to lay hands on you, to give you a hug, avail yourself with the ministry team. And other than that, I just know that Byron said everything needs to be said. I have nothing to add. Other than go with the grace of God, with the peace of God, with the love of God. And we all said, Amen. Have a great Sunday and week. Sing